It appears we are live. Good morning, everybody. I'm Bear from the internet, and uh, we're going to have maybe a slightly different conversation today. We're going to talk about some stuff. We're going to read the brief, and then instead of uh, a number of different news articles to read today, and of course, I've plowed through them this morning, so you don't have to, we're going to talk about grid down. And the implications of grid down and some recommendations for what I think everybody within the sound of my voice should be doing so that uh, you don't get caught with your pants around your ankles if slash when the grid goes away. Sound good? Ontario prepared us in bushcraft. Shalom, brother. Five by five. Appreciate you. Cool. All right. You guys know how this goes. It is the 15th of January, 2024. Somehow we've made it through two weeks already and i what yeah baby it'd be like that it's eight degrees outside you could use that hot water over there also snow day so if you hear a tiny person in the background apologies dad stuff trumps internet stuff but we'll do our best bear independent brief 15 january 2024 Here's an announcement no one needs. Much of the U.S. is being pummeled with severe winter weather. As of Saturday night, the National Weather Service noted that 44 million people were under a winter weather advisory, 29 million under a wind chill warning, and 18 million under a winter storm warning, and 64 million under a winter chill advisory. An icy blast in the Arctic has swept across the south, the east, and the central United States. That's us. Us two. We're here. Camera. Focus. Eh, you know what? Who cares? If you watch this show to see what I look like, eh, you might have a couple of screws loose. It'll figure it out. An icy blast from the Arctic has swept across the south, the east, and the central United States, and a storm struck both central and eastern United States, creating everything from blizzard conditions to coastal flooding. Ice and wind have created a risk of blinding snow squalls across the Northeast. Impactful power outages have occurred in multiple areas around the country, and slick roads are endangering travelers. Even a fallen tree killed a man in his home just outside of Portland, and an RV caught fire as four people tried to warm themselves with the stove. That's kind of a big deal. The falling tree, fallen tree, that, I'm a tree guy. That just happens, unfortunately. Also, pro tip, don't have trees right up next to your house uh, because sometimes they fall over and can hurt you. And also, if fires or forest fires are a thing in your area, you don't want that fuel load right next to your house. So, trees away from the house. Road-related hazards are significantly widespread. On X, formerly Twitter, police said that the closed roads were, quote, too many to even list. During the widespread flooding in Iowa, where wind chills have reached minus 45 degrees Fahrenheit, the state patrol has received 86 crash reports and 535 motorist assist calls. With another round of snow expected overnight Monday in Pennsylvania, the morning commute is expected to be hazardous uh, for the residents there. Now, I myself am in the grips of an eastern Oklahoma blizzard. We've accumulated damn near an inch and a half of snow. And as such, my prediction is that the roads and therefore the schools will be closed here at least until Wednesday. 
Now, Kim, are you going to focus? Can I make you focus? There we go. When you're born and raised in upstate New York, an inch and a half, inch and a half of snow is laughable. Um, and New York is terrible at a lot of things. But at least when I was there, they weren't terrible at snow removal. And the Department of Transportation had more trucks with sanders and salt spreaders and snow plows on them than a man could shake a stick at. And there were many days that I spent in the cab of my F-350 or in my, the cab of my F-800 plowing snow over and over and over again. In fact, I remember when Red Bull came out, because that stuff was amazing, and the floorboard on the passenger side of the truck would just be full of empty Red Bull cans, because that's how much snow there was to plow. 48 to 72 hours of just plowing snow. They don't do things like that here in Oklahoma, and that's okay. But it is laughable to me when an inch and a half of snow shuts down an entire region. So just purely out of uh, cabin fever, a brother and I yesterday spent several hours on the road just driving around, seeing if there was anybody to help. So, yeah, uh, we're experiencing it too, but it's, you know, deep in the grips of a winter blizzard here in eastern Oklahoma, almost 1.5 inches of accumulation. No sleep for three days. That's correct, JC Fixer. I mean, a little bit of sleep. Occasionally, like, you'd plow. Here's the thing. Like, plowing uh, primary and secondary roads, eh, that's more or less easy. Uh, you put the plow down and you drive forward. Plowing residential areas and driveways, especially where the driveway dead ends into the garage, where you have to pull up to the garage, drop the plow blade, and then back drag, and then push off to the side of the driveway. That's just tedious and annoying. Um, so, you know, you plow a neighborhood, you take a nap. You plow another neighborhood, you take a nap. And you just, that kind of thing. Uh, and in a big storm, you don't plow once. You plow two or three or even four times sometimes. It's just the way that it is. If you're from the northern tier, you know how it goes. Eight inches last night, calling for 12 to 18 tonight, says the Canadian Crusader. Yeah, um, first of all, I'm amazed you're in Canada and you're still using inches. Eight inches last night. Don't you mean like 0.2 meters? I don't know. Whatever. Whatever you're into. Train services, trash services, events, and more are being canceled. New York residents have received a full travel ban from the governor because of the, quote, potentially life-threatening blizzard-like conditions, end quote. And they've been warned to prepare for power outages. Let me tell you something. When you plow snow for three days straight, you, you learn a thing or two about what you need to have in your vehicle and what you don't need to have in your vehicle, which is a thing we're going to talk about in a moment. The coming week ahead holds the same. About 75% of America will be struck with temperatures below freezing. What's worse is that dangerously cold wind, freezing rain, and heavy snow are predicted across the United States. Some areas will likely get near record lows in places like Montana, and the western Dakotas will be blasted with kill you cold up to minus 65 degrees. Yeah, that's, that's kill you cold. If you don't know what you're doing, if you do know what you're doing, if you can maintain 98.6 inside of your shelter, whether that's a house or a Morris Kahansky super shelter, and you can stay dry, eh, it's just inconvenient. But I will be the first to admit, the further 
the mercury goes below zero degrees, the harder it is to maintain 98.6 and stay dry. So <laughs> operator weather, as the 12C says, this is so snow on the ground is a great time um, for, in my opinion, in my experience for hunting. Because you can see, once the animals start moving again, once the snow stops falling and they start moving again, you can see everywhere they've been moving. And so when I was growing up, before I knew what the Torah even was, we would go rabbit hunting after snow because you could see little rabbit tracks everywhere. When they'd come out of the hedgerows and uh, in the agricultural areas of upstate New York, the hedgerows in between fields, dude, it was nothing, nothing to shoot at least 50 rabbits in a morning. And sometimes that number was closer to 100, with just like three dudes, a couple of dogs, and just pockets full of shotgun shells. You know, rally around the family, pocket full of shells. By the way, the hypocrisy of Rage Against the Machine, far left liberal douchebags now. Yeah, like you are the machine, bro. You've become the machine, but whatever. Let's, aside from the treacherous travel conditions, power outages, and the dangerously low temperatures, please be mindful of the one killer that keeps on killing, carbon monoxide poisoning. Consumer Energy, a utility company from Michigan, warned in a statement, quote, never use a generator in an attached garage, basement, enclosed patio, or near any air intakes. And that, that's for my off-grid peeps as well. Generator far enough from the house that you're not breathing the off-gas, please. Doing so could cause a generator to produce hazardous levels of carbon monoxide and odorless, colorless, and deadly gas. Family email said, number one wintertime killer in my state. Yeah, carbon dioxide, or carbon monoxide, rather. So, things to be aware of. That's the brief for today. It is Martin Luther King Day. Um, so... We could wax poetic on Martin Luther King, and maybe we should for a moment, just for the man's memory. <clears throat> we could go to the Constitution. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. And Martin Luther King did a pretty good job of furthering those certain inalienable rights for a lot of people. And he was killed by the establishment because they didn't like what he had to say. And he was not a perfect man. It appears that he absolutely was sleeping around with some members of his church and his staff. Uh, but find me a perfect man in today's world. He had conviction and he believed strongly in the creator and in his purpose on earth for unification of all mankind. There's something to that. And you might, this might be hard to ascertain, but um, I have zero, that I can tell, zero African blood in me. I'm a quarter Native American. My granddaddy was full blood. Uh, but I'm also half German, which is why I happen to have a beard. <coughs> um. Roy Batty said, Martin Luther King and JFK are radical conservatives by today's standards. Correct. That's the shifting of the Overton window. But raise a glass, whether it's coffee or whiskey or whatever you're into, to Martin Luther King, because that man gave his life for what he believed. 
and uh, especially in the public and political sphere these days, I don't know how many people we have left in air quote leadership positions that are willing to take that type of stand. I also don't think it's a coincidence that MLK and RFK were assassinated damn near the same time frame <clears throat> because they were both really damn vocal about the hypocrisy of the existent power structure. And they were both really damn vocal. Here's the thing about gold as a reserve currency. So just throwing that out there. Kurt Sunset, whiskey in the coffee. Two birds, one stone, Kurt. Also, go to a meeting. You might have a problem. Uh, fun fact. No one really says we got 25 centimeters. One would say 10 inches. Yeah, imperial system for the win. <laughs> All right, guys. It's winter for those who are unaware. Um, regarding the fact that it's winter, I have a link from our friends at Sanctified Supply Co. that I am going to share with you all in the chat. Please give me a moment to find it. I'm not super high speed this morning. Um, but this is a family. I don't know these people, but it is a friend of a friend. And they are... Um, their house burnt down and they are they lost everything including their family pets and so if the spirit moves you if you want to throw them a five dollar bill go for it i'm posting in the chat now the blue wrenches can grab the link and repost this is a gofundme for this family uh who lost everything in the house fire and if you feel so moved by the spirit, <clears throat> there's the link. Go where the spirit leads. I, for those that are unaware, um, I have experienced catastrophic loss due to fire and it sucks. And it is one of the most overlooked preps. <coughs> now, for those that are unaware who aren't tracking, we're shifting from the written brief to, to me, uh, opining and editorializing now on power outages, grid instability, house fires, uh, car systems, car preps, all of that. Okay? Okay. Cool. Um, so, a lot of people have a lot of high-speed prepper gear. They don't have a fire extinguisher near their kitchen. They don't have a fire extinguisher in the garage. They don't have a fire extinguisher in their vehicle. Guys, for a hundred bucks, you can buy three fire extinguishers and put one near your kitchen, one near your garage or mechanical room, and one in your vehicle. And that will absolutely save somebody's life. It will also absolutely prevent you a world of hurt. Um, I was party to a $1.4 million loss because of a shop fire for the business that I was helping to run before we left Texas and came to Oklahoma and it sucked. There's no other way to say it than it sucked. So, um, 
And we have, Grindstone has worked several house fires. <sighs> Easily preventable. So if you don't, and here, why near the kitchen, not in the kitchen? Because the kitchen statistically is one of the highest likelihood places to be on fire in your house. But if you have to go through the fire to get to the fire extinguisher, you're probably not going to get it. <clears throat> so have a fire extinguisher near the kitchen. Um, I have a five pound fire extinguisher right there, right outside my front, outside my front door on the front porch. Because I can get to it. If the fire is on the outside of the house, it's right there. If the fire is on the inside of the house, it's 25 feet away. Um, have another one on the back porch. We don't have a garage or a mechanical room because this house was built by people who didn't know how to build a house, which is why I'm building another one in the front yard. Um, and then I run fire extinguishers. We have used fire extinguishers uh, from my truck on grindstone deployments because things catch on fire especially after a tornado or a hurricane where there's should be dead, but sometimes are live power lines laying around all over the place. And so to that point, if you're ever in a storm and this should be logical, but people violate logic all the time. If you're ever in a storm, tornado, hurricane, high winds, ice storm, whatever, and you see power lines on the ground, do not, I repeat, do not walk on them drive over them, touch them, track your heavy equipment over the top of them, any of that, until you have 100% confirmed that they are down and they are dead. And then my protocol is when the power company comes and cuts those conductors off of the power line, then we're good. Here's why. Because sporadic re-energization of the distribution grid the small poles and small wires that are around your neighborhood, your community, your town, your whatever, that happens all the time as that grid structure infrastructure is being rebuilt all the time. So it was dead. And then for a moment, it wasn't dead. But the guy from the engineer from the power company said, oh, this whole circuit's off. Don't worry about it. OK, well, when you cut that wire off of that pole, now I, I don't care because there's no connection to the transformers. There's no connection back to the grid. Good to go. So backfeeding is the real deal. That's correct, Ohio, uh, Ohio Patriot. That's another thing. If you have somebody who has their own backup generation and they don't have a disconnect switch, grid goes down, poles snapped in half, whatever. You fire up your generator and you're backfeeding your panel with your generator, which is entirely possible to do. And there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. But you haven't disconnected from the grid. Say you've got... Uh, 14.4, or just we'll just go 2,400 volt, 2,400 volt low voltage distribution in your neighborhood. Okay, and so it comes in 2,400 volts on the pole, and it goes through a transformer, and steps it down to 240 single phase into your house. And it comes into the house and powers all your, you know, your CIA spy devices and your light bulbs and all that other crap. Well, the inverse is true as well. When you backfeed your panel, if you're not disconnected from the grid, it comes from the generator through the panel, up your weatherhead, out your distribution or your, uh, <clears throat> your service drop, up into the transformer on the pole, 240 going into the one side of the transformer, and it comes back out the other side, 2,400 volts. 
that would be lower amperage because your generator is tiny compared to what the grid uses, but it's still 2,400 volts. And it only takes six milliamps across your heart, six thousandths of an amp across your heart to kill you. And so you could be backfeeding the grid and somebody touches that wire that's supposed to be dead because it's not being powered by the grid and they die. So <clears throat> you want to be really, really, really careful about electricity, uh, fire electricity, all of that. If you're going to backfeed your panel, you need a mechanical disconnect in between you and the grid whether that's a disconnect switch or it's pulling the meter out of the meter base. By the way, if you've never pulled a meter before, today's not the day to learn. It's very simple, but if you don't have hot gloves, congratulations, you're a casualty. So power outages, grid instability is the thing that I really wanted to touch on today. Um, for those that don't know, I have a background in power construction. I grew up in it. My old man owned a company that built telecom and power infrastructure. And so literally some of my earliest memories are plowing in fiber optic cable on a John Deere 850 with an 11 foot vibratory plow, Tico vibratory plow, real carrier on the front, fair leads over the top of the machine, ditch witches and back hose, track hose and digger trucks, Pittman pole cats and Telsta T40C bucket trucks running cable and all that stuff. That's how I grew up. And then I got into the power industry at a very young age because at you know, look, how old was I? 23 years old. At 23 years old, I had 18 years of relevant work experience. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Anywho, I don't know everything there is to know in that industry. I don't think anybody does know everything there is to know in that industry, but I do know a lot. I've seen a lot. And I've done it with these two hands. So I tell people all the time, and maybe this is the reminder we need today. The grid is very fragile. It's very unstable. And I think a lot of people have mental assent to that concept, but they haven't seen it with their own eyes. If they experience it, they experience it sporadically. The power goes out for a few days and then it comes back on. We have the possibility here in the United States of America that it goes off and it never comes back on again. Or if it does, it takes years to get it back on again. One absolutely horrendous statistic is that from a, from a cold start, meaning there's no electrons flowing at all, from a cold start, it could take two to seven years. Two to seven years to restart the national grid. Okay. What's a cold start? That means everything goes offline. High altitude EMP, Carrington event, you know, um, solar ejecta, whatever. Most people realize it takes electricity to produce the electricity. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Wood said, we wouldn't survive that long. Well, it depends on how big you define we. If your we is a small circle, it's very possible to, to survive two to seven years without electricity. If your we is a national scale, no. The Department of Energy, in conjunction with the DHS, Department of Homeland Security, issued a white paper uh, three years ago now, I think. And in that white paper, their findings were, and they had some help from the CDC as well, which we all know is super believable, but 
I've, I've read and have commented on this white paper quite a bit. Uh, the white paper is solid. All the math in that white paper is solid. They estimated uh, 50% of Americans would be dead within six months of no electricity and 90% within one year. And a lot of people have commented that that, see, now China knows, now Russia knows. That's why they're targeting our grid. They've been targeting our grid way longer than uh, that white paper has been published. So that's something to be aware of as well. <clears throat> so 90% after 12 months, 90% of Americans are dead, says uh, Department of Energy and Department of Homeland Security. Even if they're only 50% right, <laughs> right, they're, they're off by an uh, order of magnitude. Okay, that's still a huge amount of people cold start it takes energy to make the grid make energy all all major power plants all have their own smaller fossil fuel powered power plant at the major power plant whether this is coal uh, or especially nuclear natural gas they all have minimum like a 40 kilowatt power plant there in order to be able to produce their own power to operate the systems that operate the plant to be able to make the plant make power. Every single wind turbine and every single solar array is backfed with at least 240 single phase. In some cases, it's 483 phase. In order to make each individual component within that circuit operate. When you put wind turbines in, like if you've ever seen a wind farm, they are ganged up 10 to 14 turbines on a circuit. And so a circuit just means just like you have multiple lights and switches and outlets in your house on one circuit that's on one piece of Romex that runs back on what's called a home run into your panel. Same thing. You have multiple wind turbines that are all ganged up sharing the same, um, it's called a collection circuit. The same wires that take the energy produced by those wind turbines back underground on the collection circuit back to the uh, substation collection station that's there on the turbine farm, which then pushes it through a gigantic transformer, the vast majority of which are produced overseas, the vast majority of which have lead times of at least 24 months. And then it comes out of that giant transformer and goes overland, typically, uh, using aerial transmission to wherever the market is, wherever that power is going to be sold. And so each one of those circuits that has 10 to 14 wind turbines on it is backfed with power that's coming in from the grid in order to be able to run the PLCs, programmable logic controllers, all the computers inside of those things that tell them how to operate, all the systems, SCADA systems, system controls and data acquisition, the MET towers, meteorological towers that produce the data using animators or air quote weather vanes that pull the data in that tell the turbines how to operate where to where to turn into the wind how to pitch their blades etc cetera, etc cetera. so no electricity coming in those things don't work and so that's a cold start on the grid there's no power anywhere it would take two to seven years to get the grid back up the reason i bring this up is that a lot of people prepare for what they can fathom, they, they don't prepare beyond 
what they're capable of stomaching. Pastor Joe Fox of Viking Preparedness has a saying that's wonderful. Contemplate the unthinkable. Think about the worst possible scenario and then think about what you would do about it. And here's the thing. The grid going away in my personal experience is not an if, it is a when. The number one enemy to the United States grid, the number one enemy, it's not China, it's not Russia, it's rust. It's rust. It's old, y'all. It's old. It's infrastructure and it's failing. It cost when I was doing this, and I'm sure the costs have only gone, gone up. Thanks, World Economic Forum. $10 million per mile of aerial construction and $100 million per mile subsurface transmission. I'm sorry, those numbers are wrong. A million dollars a mile aerial construction and $10 million subsurface. So if you want to run a 200 mile, and this was 15 years ago, you want to run a 200 mile transmission line aerial, you know, towers with wires in the sky. Uh, it's 200 miles, it's $200 million. To refit the existing grid is trillions of dollars. Trillions of dollars. So it's not if it goes away, it's when it goes away. Also, a thing that you might not know, the trades, including electricians, and there are many different types of electricians, the electrician that wires your home is very different than the electrician that wires a substation, okay? But electricians, amongst many other tradespeople, uh, recruitment numbers are down, folks, because children don't wanna go outside when it's eight degrees and the wind's blowing, so it feels like negative 30 and there's snow on the ground to go to work. They'd rather be stuck inside their house, playing on their rectangle, doing whatever. And so staff that is qualified to operate and maintain the grid, there's far fewer of them. 